Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We've got all your action from, you know, what was a pretty good Monday night around the NBA. I'm Dave DeFore, joined as I am each and every week by Trevon Edwards. And we got Brian Smith over there producing the show. Before we get started, do not miss our exclusive in-depth coverage that you can only get at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Go sign up. It's $3.99 a month right now. You know the deal. You get the podcast ad-free. There are no ads on the site whatsoever. Beautiful website. Very easy to read. Looks great on an iPad. Go sign up. Theathletic.com slash daily ding. $3.99 a month. It's fantastic. Coming up on today's show, Jokic versus Luka. Man, it was fun. But first, Trey. We got Miami-Brooklyn part two. Miami won the first one in this back-to-back series, despite Bam Adebayo putting up 41 points. And guess what? They went and did it again. You know, just got a little bit too much talent for Miami right now when Miami's missing Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard and Avery Bradley. The Nets win this one 98-85. to Trey, right off the top of your head, how do you feel now that we've seen Harden, Kyrie, and and Durant for more than a couple of games. You feel like it's starting to come together a little bit better at this point? No, no, it still hasn't come together. This is game <laughs> six. Obviously, uh, Durant mentioned in the post game that you know Harden joining this team is like transferring to a school and learning a new curriculum, and that's the thing that he's going to continue to learn each game by game. Spo had the Heat out in the two three zone, which threw those guys off tremendously, and they struggled offensively in the first half. And then once they came out into band, that's when James made the read and was able to take his guy off the, you know, off the dribble and be able to get hot. And he got it going in the fourth quarter. But those are times, you know, where he's going to have to learn to be aggressive. And he's, you know, this is the first time he says since his uh, rookie year that he hasn't had to, you know, have full control of the ball, make plays, be ball dominant in the past eight seasons. Now he can just defer to Kyrie and Kevin. But he also has to understand that staying aggressive frees those guys up and gets his teammates open. Let's talk a little bit about James Harden in particular in this game down the stretch. He only had 10 points on four shots through the first three quarters. You know, again, the sort of a not a slow start. I would say a hesitant start, almost just deferring quite a bit, especially to Kyrie. Um, you know, Kevin Durant has pretty much played his same game, but but there's a lot of deference from Harden to Kyrie in the first three quarters. But then Harden kind of turns into a closer, like in baseball, for the fourth. He looks so fresh. He winds up scoring 10 more. He leads this 18-2 to spurt that took a tie game and really you know, blew Miami out of the water and effectively ended the game. Do you feel like there's a, a strategy here to, to just save Harden's legs and let him carry him through the fourth quarter, and then you've got Kyrie and Harden acting as a release valve then? No, not necessarily. I think they're just taking what's, what's given by the defense in that particular situation if it's not forced. And, and on other rosters, you would see James trying to carry the load or trying to make a play out of a play. And in this specific situation, he knows that he doesn't have to do that. But we would love for him, you know, as fans and, and uh, viewers of the game, to watch him be a little bit more aggressive just – all throughout the game but in certain situations no he's just taking what the defense has given him and in that particular situation like I mentioned before is the adjustment that he's seen like oh I have this guy on him I know I can take this guy every single time which was Drogic you know and you know every time it was a switch or something he had an easy basket or a drive 
he started doing his signature, you know, between the legs, step back, and and then shooting the three pointer because he started to get comfortable with it. But early on, he let those guys, you know, Durant struggled early on. He didn't get really start knocking shots down to the third quarter. It was probably like four for thirteen or something like that. Before that, it took some time, you know. And I think, you know, there's going to be nights that they're going to miss shots, but I don't see them all missing shots. It's going to be, you know, if one guy's struggling, the other two are going to pick it up. And that's in this case, that's what happened. Well, Katie's streak of uh, seven straight 30-point games ended in this one. He only had 20 points. To me, I thought early on, and probably the first three quarters his of his 14 game, straight 20-point game with the— With 20 or more. There you go. There you go. Uh, there's a stat for everything. I thought that early on in this game, Brooklyn was settling for too many contested shots. And it's one of these things where you've got— you know, you've got these guys like Kyrie who can stick those shots. And obviously, Kevin Durant, we know, is well known for it. But I think that they could get easier offense just with a little bit of movement and a little bit more ball movement. It just seems like they were dribbling themselves out of open looks to a certain degree at times. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a credit to the defense. I don't really want to take away from what they did. They worked really hard to to get these guys off. And then, you know, obviously they started off hot and and they played a game of cat and mouse and chase, you know. So in a particular situation, Bam Adebayo was great early on. And then you had a chance Jeff Green came in and did a couple of things to throw him off, you know. But overall, whenever you can, you know, Bam's out there alone. So they couldn't do it for so long, you know what I mean, for so much. And then obviously Drogic started hitting shots. But I want to credit the defense. I don't want to take too much. It's just more so the Nets just didn't shoot well early on. And that's just – I don't think that continues – if you didn't watch this game and you looked at the score, you might have thought that this was like a crazy defensive matchup. Miami didn't even break 90 points, 85 points. But the truth of the matter is Miami just couldn't hit shots. The first half of this game, neither team could hit shots. Miami was 2 of 19 from 3, and Brooklyn was 2 of 17 from 3 in the first half. And Miami winds up, you know, for the game, only shooting 25% from 3, 37% from the field. And so to a certain degree, Brooklyn got a little bit lucky. They got a lot of defensive luck in in their favor. They're going to have to do better defending. But Bam Adebayo, back-to-back pretty big games for Bam against this interior defense that's almost non-existent for Brooklyn. He had 26 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. His shot just looks fantastic. And, of course, he's a tough guard for anybody. But, you know, if Bam Adebayo is able to put up 41, and then follow that up with 26. What are they going to do when they have to play a guy like Joel Embiid? And and this is not to say Bam Adebayo isn't anywhere close to Embiid. He certainly is. But I, I would say as an offensive player, Embiid is a little bit more dominant, especially inside. What are they going to do to shore up this defense going forward? They've got to figure something out because Jeff Green is not doing it, Trey. They're going to pray. <laughs> That's what you're gonna do is pray because shoot a lot anybody that score go, drives to the paint that gets in the paint or plays in the paint feast. That's what happens. Feast. You know what I'm saying in that situation. And luckily, they dodged a bullet because Duncan Robinson and Shuel. So I mean, you can go down the line where you get Jokic, whoever whoever they match up with. They're gonna do the best they possibly can. And obviously, when that that early on matchup, they had Jared Allen. He's no longer there. So now you have to. You know, overcompensate and hope that guys are rotating, you know, and, and, and doing the best that they can. But they got they got a lot they got a lot to do, you know, and obviously JaVel McGee was rumored today about, you know, potentially landing there and then a couple other guys, you know, Kevin Love and, 
you can just go down the line of insert any player, but I just don't see that happening um, just because of the cap space and, you know, overall just putting them over the limit and stuff like that. But they really got to work hard, and every night they're going to be challenged. They're the favorites in certain situations, although they're dropping games. They're going to get it going. But in that process, they still need to be a better defensive team. I don't think you can you can really judge them right now based on the wins and losses because they're just sorting stuff out. And again, playing around with James Harden, not necessarily in an official closer role, but it certainly looked that way when you consider how much more aggressive he was down the stretch. And then when you flip the coin and you look at Miami Heat, you realize they didn't have Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, no Avery Bradley, no Myers Leonard. I mean, they're missing four guys out of their rotation who, you know, and even Myers Leonard likely to see minutes in a series against Brooklyn because of his ability to not only stretch the floor, but also be a big body inside with DeAndre Jordan, who's a very good defensive rebounder. You know, they've been struggling the last few weeks, but they've also again, had the health and safety protocols and and injury issues. I'm not saying I'm worried about the heat because I'm not. Uh, their issues is just they need to get everyone on the court. But I will say it is starting to get to the point where we have to start thinking, how much catch-up do they have to play as we look ahead to the playoffs? I know we're only 15 games into the season, but you know it's been very competitive. And is there a point where you, you worry that Miami is going to get too far out of it? Or do you think that they could be the seventh seed and it doesn't really matter? Maybe the next 10 games or so could be very telling. Losing early on and dropping games, maybe being 10 down is is a problem, but you just have to see. I mean you know. more for like home court advantage, right? Like having top four. Yeah, they're, they're, the yeah they're out of that, that situation, you know. But, you know, Spo does a real good job with getting guys to play hard for him and somehow they, they find us, find themselves back in the mix, so. I wouldn't count them out just yet. I'm not worried about them either. And I think in particular in a year like this, you know, where who knows if we're even going to have fans in stands and, and who knows for, for Miami, who knows how much home court advantage even matters anyway. You know, that heat culture, I think, travels pretty well. And I wonder if, you know, when they start getting healthy again, if we're going to see them you know, maybe baby Jimmy Butler a little bit and and bam and, and really monitor those minutes and try to make sure these guys, you know, kind of like what they did last year with Goran Dragic, cutting the minute load and and maybe you're you're taking a little bit off your regular season ceiling. You're probably adding to your playoff floor just because you're starting out so much fresher. So I'm sure they don't mind if they're the seven, eight seed or whatever, but I doubt they want to mess around with these playing games. So maybe they're targeting the six seed. That's I'm gonna give the heat culture uh, a little bit of uh, extra oomph on, on some of these losses and things and maybe make them feel a little bit better about it. They're going to purposely shoot for the sixth seed down the line. In news, per Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, the NBA and NBA Players Association are discussing scenarios to hold an all-star game in March possibly held in Atlanta with the game providing support for historically black colleges and universities and COVID-19 relief. Uh, Apparently Chris Paul has been a a big proponent of this idea. The all-star game originally was scheduled to be held in Indianapolis. Of course it has been canceled or at least postponed for Indianapolis. Trey, what are your feelings about this? Cause you know, it seems to me, that when the league is kind of holding itself together with bandages, and I don't say this to make fun of them. I mean, clearly, this is a a less than ideal scenario. 
it seems to me like worrying about an, an exhibition game should be so low on the list of priorities that it doesn't even come out as news. Yeah, I mean, in this particular situation, it's just laughable. You go in the land of all places, COVID capital, and trying to, you know, quote unquote, do something, you know, in the right way. But just give money to the HBCUs. You can just do something way different. They don't have to play a game. They do not have to play a game. You know, you just, when all fails, TV money can always lure the NBA back in. And that's, and that's all it is about, you know, the same way when they were thinking about a season. Oh, you know what? Let's play on Christmas. And then, you know, we fall ourselves back in. You know, all oh, the fans saying, oh, there's too many players missing their games. How do we, you know, pay the fans back? Oh, let's give them an All-Star game in Atlanta. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Indiana's already been robbed of a game. And now you send them to Atlanta where it's basically wide open, top off, on top off the bubble. And I'm curious to see the availability of players outside of tracing and all that other stuff, and then having to return to their respective teams and trying to play. I don't know what Adam Silver's doing on this one. Could we wind up with a scenario where you have to have, I don't know, 20 all-stars per conference just to make sure you had enough guys to actually play the game? I I just, I don't know. It seems kind of silly to me. In bad news, Demonis Sabonis left Indiana's win against the Raptors in Monday night's game early with a left knee contusion. The x-rays after the game showed no structural damage. He's going to get an MRI on Tuesday. Trey, you know, a lot of all-star talk right here. Demonis Sabonis certainly has backed up his all-star berth from last year, this year. I think he's going to make another all-star team. Who's your favorite surprise all-star so far early on in the season? Easy answer would probably be Colin Sexton, but I still need to see more. I mean, obviously, he's he's playing extremely well, and Bickerstaff has those guys out there, you know, going after it and, and competing. That's a great answer. I agree with you. That was going to be my answer. I think Colin Sexton, that's my that's my favorite guy that, I, uh, that I'm going to be claiming as an all-star way too early. It's 15 games into the year, but, man, he's been fun and good. But I'm honestly going to say Jalen Brown for me. Oh, yeah. That's a no-brainer. He's been fantastic. You know, there's an argument to be made. He's been better than Jason Tatum this year. Uh, There's an argument to be made. He was better than Jason Tatum in the bubble last year. I think people are finally waking up to the fact that Jalen Brown is not just a defensive player. Like, he's very, very gifted on the offensive side of the ball, too. In our late game for the night, the Nuggets beat the Mavericks 117-113. I should say the shorthanded Mavericks because they're still without Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, and Maxi Kleba, who are all out for safety protocols. Clearly, Trey, less than ideal to be missing three guys that are, if not starters, they're at least high rotation guys. I mean, this is three of your top six. And somehow the Mavericks... They hung with the Nuggets. I mean, 117-113, they were right there until the end. What did you think about Luka Doncic tonight? Got it going early, you know. Obviously, things happen, and they're shorthanded. Maybe, you know, if they have maybe some close to 80% of the roster, they they pull this game off, you know what I mean, in a situation. But uh, it looks like he's getting back into shape and, and doing what he needs to do and, and, and trying to win some ball games. But unfortunately, they fell short. You know, in this situation, Michael Porter Jr. played exceptionally well in this matchup. That's a good place to to go next. Jamal Murray was ejected with about five minutes left in the third quarter of this game. The Nuggets were up seven. I mean, that's 
pretty sizable lead that they wound up losing before the start of the fourth quarter. The Mavericks actually carried a two-point lead built on the momentum that came from the free throws off of the the flagrant two for Jamal Murray. And, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is the guy who took the shot to the groin from Jamal Murray and just kind of went off. He had 16 in the third. I believe he had 10 of those after getting hit. Fantastic quarter for him. Not necessarily a great game. But Michael Porter Jr. saw Jamal Murray get ejected and took it as an opportunity. He wound up with 30 in this game, hit the game ceiling three after Nikola Jokic forced a turnover on the other end, wound up with 30 points, 18 points in the second half. And Michael Porter Jr. just missed a bunch of time, Trey. Clearly, the first outing, he was trying to find his legs again. I think he found him in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. You know, just coming back and trying to find a groove after being out for, you know, some, you know, a couple of games and whatnot. You know, the thing is, is he's a gamer. You know, I mean, Mike Malone trusted him to just be able to come out and contribute whether he starts or not. Being ready and having your number called and he took advantage of the situation, especially selling the game with that corner three. But, yeah, he just played, you know, he just played pretty well. And I think, you know, the thing is, is, you know, he's potentially supposed to be a number one pick before his injury. And now he's proven and just showing, you know, he still has some game left. And, you know, don't let that don't let that injury that happened to him pretty much be the story of, you know, his NBA careers because he has a fresh start. The Nuggets had won eight of 11, now nine of 12. They started really slow. And this is actually, I think, held people back from from talking too much about Jokic and the MVP conversation. He had 20 and 10 tonight, actually kind of a down game for him, I would say, only four assists. The guy's basically averaging a triple-double. He's been awesome all year. But, you know, late in games, and we saw this in their last couple of games against Phoenix, you know, with the OT and the double OT games, late in games, you know the ball is coming to Jokic, and it just seems like teams still get caught in a scramble trying to figure out what to do when he catches the ball in the post, and you can't send a double. At times in this game, late, the Mavs tried to send a double, and Jokic made them pay for it. How great is it? What a luxury it is to have a guy who can not only get you a bucket, but create shots for everybody else on the court. Oh, it makes the game so much easier because you get that attention and, you know, you get that soft cushion, especially for shooters and people that are cutting to the basket. So, you know, just having a guy that can really pass and get into the shooter's pockets or, you know, also be an offensive threat. It's really hard to defend, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I had them finishing pretty well, you know what I mean, pretty high, obviously, in uh, Western Conference finals and whatnot, but you ran up against the Lakers. And in that particular situation that they have potential. It's just that they need to stay healthy. They need to, you know, make the right decisions and maybe add another player and they can be dangerous. But, again, it's all about consistency. And, and this league is so weird this year that – it's going to be inconsistent. I think the only 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 consistency we have right now is the Lakers and LeBron James scoring 46 points. <laughs> Which is absolutely nuts. Um, so, well, speaking of consistency, Kristaps Sporzingis coming back from, from the knee injury, knee surgery, not really a great game for him. You know, he's been up and down since he came back. He had 16 points in this one. One of eight from three. I think that his defense is going to be overlooked because his offense was kind of rough in this game. But defensively, he I thought he did pretty well tonight considering how unique of a challenge it is to to guard the nuggets you know i mean he was often on jokic and then switching 
onto Michael Porter Jr. or, or smaller players. I thought he did pretty well tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he definitely did. This needs to be more highlighted on that. I think it'll get the attention. Games like this from the Mavericks, when you, when you look at, again, they're down three guys that are probably top six in their rotation, and they pushed a legitimate, you know, conference final hopeful. I mean, they were just there last year. You know, 117-113, it was a pretty close game. It really wasn't over until the last minute or so of the game. I think if you're the Mavericks, you know, it's it's tough because it's been a lot of moral victories for them lately because of how many guys they've just had out. They've played so well against some of the top competition, and then they've played down to some of the less than top competition. But it's good to see that when they do run into a team like Milwaukee or Denver, that they're able to dip into something deeper and actually get these types of performances, give themselves opportunities to potentially win games. You know, a lot of these are going to wind up being 50-50 toss-ups at the end of the game. You win some of those when you don't have your guys you're only going to be better when you come back and you're at full health. And Trey, I don't know how you feel, but when I watch this team down those guys play like this, it makes me think that when they're healthy, this is a team that that has a chance to be, you know, right there with the Lakers in the conference finals with, you know, with a chance at the finals. I don't think that they're going to beat the Lakers. I think the Lakers are so much better than everyone else. But I do think that the Mavericks could be a team that sneaks into the conference finals. I disagree, but... I do like them, you know, um, early on preseason wise, I was high on them. I did feel like Luka would be in the MVP conversation and they would at least be in, you know, top three, top four in the West. I don't see that, but I do like that, you know, they got KP back and as they get guys coming back, you know, they're going to win some ball games and they're going to compete, but I just don't, I just don't see them doing anything that much. You know, I respect them though, but you know, THJ, guys contributing. I, I, I would love to see Luca get not more help because that's not the word for it because he is a good player himself. But they're just not there yet. They're a young team, and they're still getting better. And I think they're a year or two to get into where they need to be. As we wrap up, let's run around the league real quick. You mentioned LeBron with 46. Oh, and a Lakers win 115-108 over my Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm not really a Cavs fan. I just like that team a lot. Jalen Brown had 26 for the Celtics. They beat the Bulls 119-103. You know, Zach Levine had 30 in this game. Trey, Zach Levine is a little bit polarizing, I think. People who don't watch the Bulls don't know how good Zach Levine is. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best scorers in the league, you know, and and, and with giving the right responsibility or the right plays drawn up or just open court. Him being able, you know, to put the ball in the basket, you know, that's the thing that, that a lot of people don't get to, to, to see because obviously the Bulls games are not televised like that. And then also they just haven't been great. Um, and I think in this situation they're getting a little bit more highlight because they're competing against these teams and a lot of people are now paying attention. So hopefully Zach Levine can creep in and become an all-star this year. The Pistons beat the Sixers, which is kind of shocking, but no Embiid for the Sixers in that game. Good win for the Pistons. Jeremy Grant had 25. DeLon Wright had 28. Tobias Harris had 25 for the Sixers. I still am not coming off my Sixers Eastern Conference Finals pick just because they dropped a game to the Pistons. Don't worry about that. Big game tomorrow, Trey. John Wall versus the Wizards. Who are you taking? My money's on John Wall. He went in the interview. 
and said, you know, he, he called out some names. He subliminally took some shots at people and said that people need to tune in. So that's going to be the game to watch tomorrow. And hopefully, you know, obviously everyone has fun, but John has an exceptional welcome back where he's supposed to play. And then also just him having a good game. I would love to see it, you know what I mean, because he actually wanted to be there and, you know, I moved on with him and, Obviously, there's some type of emotion there. You know, most guys, when they're traded from a team that they were drafted by, they feel some type of way. And in this particular situation, to bounce back from an injury, you know, obviously emotions would be high because, you know, he's, he's been playing alongside Bradley Beal and Bradley Beal's still there. And Brad's playing exceptionally well, but the team isn't. Uh, should, should be a good storyline. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about all the other podcasts across the Athletic Podcast Network. We got the Athletic NBA Show. You can hear me and Trey on Basketball Buzz every Monday. Don't forget about No Dunks, the best in the business, House of Strauss, the Athletic NFL Show. We literally have podcasts for everything. Go check them out. And if you are not a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Sign up, $3.99 a month right now. All of our podcasts ad-free and all of the fantastic analysis and reporting that you can only find at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Sign up now. Thank you guys, as always, for waking up with us. Trey, take us away. Ding, ding.